episode 54 of Offscript with Trish Glose, intimate interviews and fun conversations with interesting people. In front of my microphone today is Danielle Craig. Thank Hello. you for having me. Fellow podcaster. Yes, I love podcasting, so I'm so excited to be here. What's your official title, Danielle Craig? Podcast host. Podcast host. You're also a mama. I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. I'm a wife. I'm a person. You're a journalist. I'm a journalist. Yeah. I mean, you've been, you studied journalism. You've been a journalist for how long? Uh, almost 15 years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's um, a long time. I know. Um, for me, it, it, I mean, do you consider, I, I, I think my college years, I was like a journalist in training. So I, in college, my freshman year, got a reporting job. Okay. Very unusual. And then by the time I was out of college, I was working full time in Salt Lake City as right. a reporter. Okay. So yes, I count those years because okay. I was... Was reporting. I was I was a, I was a, a jit, a journalist in training. I was dumb, and I think I start. I would consider myself a journalist. Maybe, maybe when I started to do in stories that were more impactful yeah. than you know a, a dance recital or something right. like that. You know what? When I was in Salt Lake, I started out with some doozies. I bet. And so I was doing. We right off the bat, I had like three missing kids in a row, mm. and they were things that mattered. I mean, you know, when there's a missing kid, it's important to get that on the news and reach people, ASAP. and so people can have eyes on the streets. Right. So right away, I was doing stuff that was probably way more important mm -hmm. than I even understood at that time. Yeah, I take that back. Actually, I think my third day here, they sent me to Klamath Falls for a murder trial. So. Yeah. And but when you're young, you don't even understand the impact of no. journalism yet. You're just like, yes, I'm going to a murder <laughs> I trial. I got a story. <laughs> I know. I'm excited. All right. We're going to talk about journalism. We're going to talk about your podcast. Um, before I get to my first question that I like to ask everybody, I do want to say my boss, Chad Hypes, thinks you have the best podcast voice. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a little no. I'm a little annoyed <laughs> because I'm like, hey, hello. I have a podcast. Yeah. What do you think about my? He goes, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. She just she has a really good podcast voice. And I'm like, thanks, boss. I have a story. So when I was um, a kid, and I'll talk about moving all over the place, I hated my voice mm -hmm. a ton because I'd be the new girl. It'd be the first day of school, and we don't have to do the pledge of allegiance. Right. So my introduction to everyone was like my super deep voice, and right. I'd be like, I pledge allegiance. So I would purposely be like, I pledge allegiance. To right. <laughs> and now you hated it. Well, I was now so embarrassed. We're owning that deep, <laughs> yeah. you know, guttural voice that yeah. we have. Okay, Danielle Craig, where are you from originally? All over the place. Uh, I was born in Oakland, but I can't really tell you a lot about Oakland okay. because I moved. We moved every other year all over the country. Why is that? My dad's job. So part of it was first he was in the military, then he was in college, and then his job just took him everywhere. Okay. Uh, what branch of the military? He was in the Navy. In the Navy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so his job, what did he do that took him everywhere? He ran different plants. So that okay. it's way above my head. <laughs> but like but he would he help ran open the, them? He or? ran the plants. So we would move if there was a plant in distress mm -hmm. and he would need to either rehab it and make it better or make a decision to close it. Okay. So in some of the places where he made the decision to close it, like upstate New York, we were there for six months and then we moved again. Oh, wow. And so <laughs> we'd be somewhere for a year and then we'd move. That's tough. I know. That was hard. I mean, you're a little kid moving all over the place. Yeah. Okay. All over the place. I mean, all the way from kindergarten was the first time we moved all the way to high school. Wow. Did I you know. ever, where was the longest place you guys lived? Um... I think the longest place was actually the Portland area, Clackamas. Okay. Clackamas, Milwaukee area. But we still, within that time, were moving around the city. So, And I was moving schools because it was those transition years between 6th, 7th, 8th. 
So even then, I didn't get to have dude. That's you know, hard. A long run at a school. That's really hard. I can kind of relate. I didn't move around a lot, but I moved middle schools. All my friends went to this one. Mm -hmm. I went to the other one. Yeah. Halfway. Middle in school's my, hard. Yeah. Oh gosh, super hard. Halfway in high school, I moved from South Carolina to Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, as a 16-year-old, I will say this: it's tough, but it also it gives you a backbone. It creates yeah. some serious character. Mm -hmm. And I think it taught me a lot about myself and that it didn't matter that much if I had friends in one place because I had friends back in the other place. Totally. And I understood that opinions were just opinions mm -hmm. a little bit more. I mean, it was still hard because junior high and high school is a hard time. Totally. But I think I understood it a little bit more than I would have if I would have just stayed in one place. Okay. Because those, you know, the 500 people that I'd gone through all school, I would have put all of my... I don't know, hopes and dreams into what they thought about me. Totally. Whereas I didn't have to worry about that. Right. Yeah, I just kept moving. Do you find like, <laughs> do you find that you can pretty much talk to anyone? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have, I have a hard that same time problem. Talking. Yeah. <laughs> it's a problem sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes people love it. My, so most my of the time people like, hate it. He goes, you've never met a stranger. Everybody yeah. you meet is a, is a buddy mm -hmm. of yours. I'm mm -hmm. like, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. My husband hates it in the grocery store line. He'll be like, why are you talking to this person? They don't want to be bugged. They don't want to be bugged. And I'm you're like, like are nah, you sure? Uh, they I do. think they want to chat. <laughs> I'm really curious about what they have in their cart. So I want to know about it. Uh, did you grow up with siblings? Yes, I have four little siblings. Little, you're the oldest. I'm the oldest. Okay. I so, know you have thoughts about that. <laughs> you just made a lot of decisions I'm about I'm not, <laughs> nope. I have been called out. People are saying, stop stereotyping. Older siblings, siblings and younger, the baby, the oldest. So I'm not going to do it anymore. Unfortunately, um, I'm like exactly what you would expect from an older sibling. Overachiever? Overachiever. Okay. See? See? I'm right. I'm just telling you. Mm -hmm. um, younger siblings, all girls, boys, mixture. Me, girl, and then three brothers. Oh, okay. That's a big family. It is a big family. Okay. It's chaos. <laughs> Good it chaos? chaos? It I mean, depends on the day. Do you all get along? I mean, now we do. Yeah. When we were kids... Sometimes there was a lot of yelling. Now mm -hmm. now we get along. Now it's really fun. Now it's like having, I mean, really, we actually have said this our whole lives, that it was like having four best friends. So when we were moving all the time, we were like, we're okay. We're yeah. starting out with our four best friends. Absolutely. Um, what's the age difference? Is it? It's almost two years between each of us. Oh, that's Yeah, there's perfect. one with three. Yeah. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. Okay, so what were you like in high school? Student mm. body president? <laughs> I wasn't the president, but I was the secretary. I was. Uh, Makes a lot of sense. I Danielle. was in every single leadership position possible. I was. No. Uh, <laughs> I was the yearbook editor. Okay. I was the treasurer of the drama team. I was the vice president of the National Honor Society. Nice. <laughs> older sibling. Older sibling. Uh huh. See uh, people. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all of that. I, I think there were like three more clubs I was in that I took a leadership position. Mm -hmm. Just to have the leadership position. Yeah. Because I just loved it. It sounds like you knew what you wanted to do in high school. Mm -hmm. Okay. You yeah. knew you wanted to go mm -hmm. into news? News. I was, in, I was a third grader when I made that decision. Really? So we moved to Portland, mm -hmm. and all we had unpacked was like a, I, it was a handful of things, but all I had to use was a, was a box. And so I sat in this box, and I watched the TV. You know, the box must have had the TV in it. Anyway, so I sat in this box, and I watched TV, and it wasn't connected to anything except for ABC, NBC, CBS. Mm -hmm. And all I did was watch the news. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I love this. I could do this. 
And so at some point my mom had to cut me off because it was a little scary. You know, <laughs> news can be scary for kids. But I would babysit and I would be so excited for babysitting because every Friday night I would go babysit, put the kids down, watch 2020. And uh, that's mm, what I did. I my remember 2020. <laughs> yeah, it, Barbara Walters days. Huge. Mm -hmm. Barbara Walters, yes. So my whole third grade on, my eyes were on journalism. Yeah. That's it. I was mm -hmm. a big fan of Joan London. Mm -hmm. Good Morning America. Yeah. I just thought she. I wanted to be her. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if third grade, I think you were ahead of me in, in that respect, but high school for sure. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think with a lot of folks who are in this business, in this industry, we're all nerds like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? We know at a very young age, this is exactly what I want to do. Yeah. I think you're right. The roles changed. You know, I thought I wanted to be a producer at first, and then I was like, nope, don't want to be a producer. <laughs> And reporting, I absolutely fell in love with. Yeah, reporting is the best because, especially if you like to talk to people, you get to talk to people. Mm -hmm. You get to see the real human condition and so many sides of every issue. And you get to ask them questions that really no one else is allowed to mm -hmm. ask them. But yeah. Because you have this job. Yeah. You're like, sorry, I got to ask it. It's my job. And they give you a pass sometimes to ask the mm -hmm. question. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes yeah. they're mad. Sometimes, yes. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we have to be jerks, but we no. have to, our whole job, we're truth seekers. Mm -hmm. That's what, and we're storytellers. And I think the unusual thing about being a journalist, especially now, is that you have to, you have to have an understanding of where the person's coming from. So sometimes you ask really hard questions mm -hmm. to get to that understanding, yeah. which is amazing because we're not doing that on a regular basis in our world anymore. Right. We're well, just judging, judging, judging. For sure. And I think as a journalist, too, one of the most important questions you can ask is, you know, paint me a picture of what this is like. Mm -hmm. Because we have viewers at home that they don't know what that's like. Yeah. And it's our job to connect them to the story. I love journalism so much. I have goosebumps. I know. Because it's so powerful. It's it really, so amazing. Good journalism. Good journalism. Good journalism. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, Bob Hunter from the Mail Tribune, he and I talked about um, in a previous podcast that really anyone sadly, can be a mm -hmm. journalist these mm -hmm. days. He said it can be some, you know, low life in his mom's basement, just yeah. finding news and putting it out on social media, and boom, you're a journalist. It's like, it's no. It's scary. It really is scary. So you decide in third grade you, you want to go into news, and your path <laughs> takes you along there through high school. You go to college. Do you go to a specific school for yeah. this? So I started out writing news stories about coloring book pages, which I would present as news. Like, Stop it. The teddy bear crossed the road to get to the turtle. <laughs> I kid you not. So that, that's what I started out doing. And then in that's junior adorable. high, we lived in upstate New York. So I begged my parents to take me to the museum. You heard of the museum? Of course you have. Mm -hmm. And they have a little setup where you get to be a journalist. And yes. I had heard of this. And that's all I wanted to do. And we went and I did the little setup. And I walked through the halls and looked at the things. And I was just like... It's in like tears. Disneyland. It was really like a Disneyland for mm -hmm. me. And then college, uh, and then I did the yearbook. And then in college, I went to BYU, mm -hmm. studied journalism, and right out the gate was practicing journalism. And I worked in Salt Lake. Then I went down to Las Vegas, and then I came here. Right. So why BYU? Um, I always had my eyes set on BYU. Okay. That was my plan. It they was have the a really only, good journalism program. They do have a, a really good journalism school. Mm -hmm. When I was there, it was one of the top in the country. Wow. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and then you worked in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. So you said you had a reporting job in school. Yes. Okay. So first they had a, a FM radio station. Mm -hmm. So I reported for that. And it wasn't, I know a lot of schools have the students reporting and it wasn't a student reporting kind of job it was there were like three students and everyone else w was 
they were all adults and we were all working among them. It was pretty scary. So I did that job first and then I went up to work at KSL, um, KSL News Radio, so mm -hmm. it was still radio. And then I went down to Las Vegas to work for the NBC affiliate there, behind the scenes producing, and then I really wanted to get on camera, so came here. Right. Um, in school, uh, I know for my journalism program, they sort of taught us radio first, mm -hmm. just tell the story through sound and just words yeah. versus pictures. Um, was that the same for you guys, or did we, I think we really focused on TV. Mm -hmm. There was a, a little tiny aside, like, oh, do the radio project, mm -hmm. but really it was a TV focus. Yeah, my professor, Travis Lynn, mentor, professor, um, he died a, probably more than a decade ago, um, but he started in radio in Dallas, mm -hmm. and just that was his thing, is he wanted his journalism students to learn how to tell a story with sound mm -hmm. and words. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And I think There's that's... a huge difference between kids who never got the opportunity to learn that. Agreed. Yeah. I, I was super mad about taking that first radio job. I was like, should I do it? Should I say no? Should I do it? Should I say no? And it was because I was like, I don't want to do radio, so should I say no? But I learned so much right. from that radio job. Right. And same with the producing. Working behind the scenes is so valuable to understand how news mm -hmm. is put together. Well, I, that's my biggest gripe with reporters now. You know, when I see a picture of a dog barking, but I don't hear anything, mm -hmm. I'm like, what's happening? Where's that natural sound? Right. And if people, <laughs> if you're listening or watching this podcast and you see a news story and you don't hear things, you should be mm -hmm. concerned and upset. Yeah. I mean, that's whole part. That's part of the news experience. It's part of the storytelling. Take somebody there. Yeah, mm -hmm. we call it nat sound in nat the business. sound. Yeah, natty sound in the biz. Um, so, how was reporting in college? I, I think that would have been very overwhelming. It was overwhelming. I was way out of my league in every single situation that I was in. Uh, I had hardly any idea what I was doing, but I just kept doing it and kept mm -hmm. trying and kept going to press conferences and raising my hand and asking mm -hmm. a question in front of all of these seasoned journalists feeling like an idiot but doing it anyway that it was terrifying mm -hmm. absolutely terrifying right well and I mean in an and my stuff definitely wasn't as good as everybody else's yeah um you're a kid you're a I journalism was, I was student right out of school right I, it was funny because I would have coworkers who would go out to the bars and stuff and I was like have fun guys <laughs> <laughs> i'm not 21 <laughs> that's really cute i actually did a story with and i had somebody tagging along with me to show him how to be a reporter and it was in a bar and so i went in and i was interviewing or i was bringing in the person she said oh sorry she can't come along because she's not 21 and i was like okay sorry you're not yeah. 21 sit yeah. there i'll be back <laughs> nice that's pretty good so you apply for jobs everywhere or after school Every or? time it was very, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. So out of Salt Lake, I took a little break and I, I did some substitute teaching to finish up school. And then I, and so that was probably like a year. And then I wanted to go to Las Vegas. My now husband, then boyfriend lived there. So mm -hmm. my eyes were on Vegas. I just moved to Vegas, hoped for the best. And I applied to every single station in Las Vegas and right. got no jobs because my camera reel was a reel that I made up. <laughs> <laughs> like same you've done that like standing outside same. of a bank being like this bank has been robbed <laughs> oh you're making up stories for that reel it's true it's hard it's true and it's it's not anything that goes over I don't I want everyone to know it's not anything that goes over the news it's just to get a job yeah so we did that and nobody wanted to put me on camera obviously I was just a kid and then I'm like, okay, I got to go somewhere. I got to get on camera because mm -hmm. at that point I was serving um, at a restaurant. And so I finally decided that I would just 
apply to a job. I applied to a job in Idaho Falls. I got the job and I was faxing. I was just about to fax my contract to them. And I'm sitting on the, I go into Kinko's. That was back in the day of Kinko's. You're, this is like deja vu <laughs> for me right now. I'm standing in front of the fax machine, machine with this contract, knowing that I'm going to have to leave my husband for two, or then boyfriend, mm -hmm. two years. Are we going to work out? I don't know. I'm crying. I'm just so distressed. I leave the fa fax machine. I go outside and I sit on this really busy road in Las Vegas on the sidewalk and just like cry. Mm -hmm. And then I get this phone call from one of the stations there. And they're uh, like, hey, we have a producing job. Are you interested in it? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and literally seconds between taking yeah. a job and and getting that job offer. And so they didn't even interview me. They just hired me. Yeah, I mean, You know, sometimes you can get desperate right. for producing jobs, right. even in a top 50 market. So I took that job and had no idea what I was doing, but That's figured awesome. it out. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. Um, first of all, talking about a reel, I have one of my stand-ups on my reel. I'm wearing a blazer mm -hmm. and the sleeves are rolled up. Uh -huh. And I'm like, it was in this neighborhood where I don't remember <laughs> the rest of it. It was completely made up. Yeah. Just yeah. made it up. Um, when I got the job in Medford, they um, I was in Kiko, Kinko's and they faxed me the contract. Wow. And I'm looking at it, and I'm, it's a two-year contract, uh -huh. and I called my mom in tears, and I said, I'm going to be 24 when this contract ends. Aww. And I was so sad. And she's like, what are you doing? Sign the contract, yeah. get your butt in your car, and go pack up your stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just, when you're 22, mm -hmm. 23, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's all kind of scary. Mm -hmm. Very it's scary. Really scary. But you got this job as a producer in Las Vegas. Um, and for those who are listening, and producer, producers essentially create the yeah. newscast. Mm -hmm. It's all up to all, you. Right, all the news. Mm -hmm. It's scary. It's a big job. You write the news for the anchors who read mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because I was already working when I went through college, and my professors loved me. I was like the golden child of the of journalism program. Of course. They, <laughs> I wasn't sucking up or anything. <laughs> they gave me a pass on all the producing classes. Oh. So I didn't really ever take a producing class. Gotcha. I was already working. And so sitting down, looking at these rundowns, I had no idea mm -hmm. even where to start, what to do. And I just kind of you just did it. my way and figured it out. Right. Well, that's what we do, right? Yeah. We just do it. If we have an As obstacle humans. in front of mm -hmm. us, we just go, we get over it, mm -hmm. you know, not around it. You just go th right through it. Mm -hmm. You just have to. Yeah. How no long were you in Vegas? Uh, three years, about three years. Okay. Maybe close to four. Um, you're applying to jobs. Was it, we're going to Medford next? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We made a decision to come to Medford. My husband had worked for Lithia in Reno. So he was, okay. yeah. So he'd been here for job trainings and I loved the Pacific Northwest because of my time in Portland. So we decided we're looking at Medford and we looked at the days that were cold, the days that were hot. <laughs> I still remember being like, hey, we found the spot. They're not too hot, not too cold. Nice. And so Goldilocks weather. Yes, exactly. And so we decided, okay, Medford, we're mm -hmm. all in. And you want to be on, on TV. Mm -hmm. You want to be TV. on air journalist. Mm -hmm. um, you apply to all of the stations all the in stations. Medford. Mm -hmm. I know you applied here because I interviewed yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that and fun? then and then you dissed me <laughs> and went to the competition. <laughs> I got I got offers from all three stations and it came down to the position. Because I'm like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to live there for two years and then I'm going to leave. Mm -hmm. And this position, I think, 
I don't so remember. Long ago. I think it was reporting, it, only it, reporting. It, yeah. And then there was another one that was only anchoring, and then there was one that was anchoring and reporting. So and that's like, what you went for. I'm going to do anchoring and reporting, understand news more, and then move on. Okay. You started at KDRV doing what? Anchoring. I, I anchored the 11 o'clock newscast, and okay. then I would turn stories in the earlier part of the day. Okay. Um, you were there for a while. Yeah. How long? I think it was eight years. Wow. Awesome. Was it? I think it was eight years. Yeah. And obviously good times at KDRV. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of learning happened. A lot of growing happened. Mm -hmm. And I definitely didn't plan to be here for eight years. And then also like not leaving now. But we just love it. It's beautiful. I mean. Uh, it's everything. Look who you're talking to. It's 17, Same deal. 17 years in June. <laughs> I think you just, you know, you, you get here with an idea, I'm going to move up, mm -hmm. I'm going to Portland next, mm -hmm. and then after that, I don't know, maybe yeah. I'll live in Portland for the rest of my life. I mean, I had all of these. You, got, you have a track in mind. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then life happens, Yeah, and you just you, you just find your path, and, and that's what you stick to. Yeah. You moved, you moved um, up within KDRV, so you started anchoring the 11, but then mm -hmm. what was next? Was it the morning, morning show? Morning show. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted. I just wanted to be a morning anchor. I, I believe wholeheartedly in morning news. Same. <laughs> so, and so that's what I wanted to do, and uh, I got the opportunity to do that. It was incredible. I loved anchoring that morning show. Yeah. Uh, there's something about morning news. I love. I loved being a part of people's morning routine, mm -hmm. getting ready with it's them. It's the only time in the day. It's the only time in your 24 hours that you don't know what's going on because you were just sleeping, hopefully mm -hmm. for eight hours. But mm -hmm. You were just sleeping. You just woke up. It's the only time that you need someone in your ear telling you, yeah. hey, this is going on. This is going on. Not an update, but like this is happening right now. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not saying this because I'm a CBS affiliate, but I love CBS This Morning. Mm -hmm. It is one of the best morning shows because it's actual news. There's no Very fashion shows. Mm -hmm. There's no cooking segments. It is true news, mm -hmm. long form interviews. And I just absolutely love it. I feel smarter after mm -hmm. I watch it. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a CBS affiliate, but I think people should be watching news programs like that. There's mm -hmm. very little editing that goes yeah. on in these interviews. It sets up your day mm -hmm. for you to be the smartest person in the room as you go throughout your day. Agreed. I mean, I come into the morning meeting here and I'm like, did you guys see this on CBS this morning? Did you see this? Did you see this? Yeah. We should be localizing these stories. Right. Um, okay. So you decide to leave KDRV. Why? Oh my goodness. There's so many reasons. So every time I answer this question, it sounds like a different answer, but it's just because there were so many different parts of my life kind of unfolding at that moment sometimes and you've heard me in this conversation talking about how much I love journalism so why in the world would I walk away from journalism I think sometimes like when you get into a relationship you have all of these hopes and dreams and you are like this is the guy I know we're going to get married and this is what the potential is there mm -hmm. I think that what was happening for me in my career was not reaching that potential so just like with a boyfriend who you see like, okay, the potential is there, but we're not on the same path to get to the potential. Mm -hmm. You need to back out. I think the same thing. So I, I had made the decision that I would leave that job, but I wasn't exactly sure if I would continue in another city or another station, what I would do. But I, I then had what I call my wake up year in which Every single member of my family went to the hospital for some other for some different reason. Yikes! Yeah, it was it was a scary year. It was an expensive year. I bet. I bet <laughs> that we're still paying. Um, but my the scariest one of all was when my husband start he he passed out in the kitchen, and 
I grabbed him and he'd had all these health issues going into it. Mm -hmm. And so like the last, the year or two years before. So I thought these were like final moments. And so I'm pulling him flat. I'm getting ready to do CPR. Oh my I'm like running through everything in my head. And he was fine. He came too. And I already had 911 on the line. So I was like, you know what? Send the paramedics just in case. So the paramedics came and they hooked him up to all the machines. And they're like, you're, you're a healthy guy. You look fine. Da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden he passed out again and the machines flatlined. <gasps> and for eight seconds, his heart did not beat. And I'm standing there like, oh my gosh. Like, it's so weird to describe a moment like that because it's like you have no thoughts at all, but all of the thoughts at all. Like all, every single thought you could possibly have. And what I realized is like, I gotta like stop. One of my big things is, and you can tell from how I've talked about achieving, achieving, achieving. Like that's something that drives me. Like I love achieving, achieving, achieving. And I need more and more and more to be happy, happy, happy. And I realized like, I need to, I need to slow down a little bit, be okay with where I am now, mm -hmm. instead of always having to chase something more, 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 more to be happy. I need to be happy right now where we are. And thankfully he's okay now. He's, he's doing well. Um, but do they that know moment, what, what happened? What, what was going on? The real, the real solution for him, <laughs> he's going to hate it if I say this. Maybe I'll, maybe I won't go to the real solution, but it was like the perfect timing of things happening. So like not eating enough sodium and the cardiologist told him like, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this, but you need to eat sodium. More, <laughs> you, need, more salt. you need more salt in your I've diet. I've never said this before. Wow. Really? And so it was, it was that. And there were a handful of other things. His heart rate is pretty low. So when he passed out, instead of going lower, well, it did go lower, but lower for where his heart rate was, was zero. Right. Was <laughs> so. stress an issue for him? I, I, they, the cardiologist never said that as part okay. of like why this happened, okay. but. And he's no. better now. Yeah. He's doing well now. Good. Yeah. He's worked on some of the things that he needs to do, getting his heart, to get his heart rate mm -hmm. up, making mm -hmm. sure sodium's in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you guys have how many kids? We have three kids. Three kiddos, yeah. ages. We have seven, four, and a baby, six oh, months. Oh, man. Yeah. That's a handful. It is a handful. And it's crazy. It's totally crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> you decide. So were you still working at KDRV at this time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So this was like six months before I was going to leave. I had already planned that I was I was not going to re-sign a contract. But I, I was telling my husband like days before, like, I'm not happy. Like this isn't working for me. Like mm -hmm. not with him. Cause I love him. He's right. my high school sweetheart. I adore him in every way, but like, I just wanted more, you know, it was yeah. that more mentality that more was going to make me happy. If we live here, or if we do this, mm -hmm. or if I have this job or et cetera, et cetera. And so I had that day, that conversation literally days before this happened. And I think I made that correlation so quickly because I'd been complaining just mm -hmm. days before. And so, yeah, that was my, okay, what, what do I need to do to fix my life? And I started doing different things like meditating and like I then ran a marathon and all of these different things kind of opened my, my mind and like my brain into what was going on in the world. And I realized so many people are living in like, you know, mm -hmm. a hamster wheel, yeah. we're just going, 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 but feeling like we're not making any progress or moving. And so that's when I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about finding more joy in your life, mm -hmm. regardless of where you are. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But you've got to find the joy. Because if I couldn't even find the joy when things were totally perfect, that's a problem. Yeah. I have my dream job. I married my dream husband who I, like, chased into marrying me. <laughs> <laughs> I have, at that time, I had two kids. I love them so much. 
but I couldn't even find the joy. There's a right. problem with that. Right. Um, podcast was that instantaneous mm -hmm. for you, mm -hmm. or is it, it like I just will do a all podcast? Came together, and I I didn't really know a lot about podcasting at first, and I just kind of rolled into it as I started listening to podcasts to mm -hmm. you know uplift myself, and then before I left, it was October. So two months before I left, I started the podcast, and here we are today. Right. Um, how long have you been doing it? So what is that? Almost two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. About a year and a half, probably. And it's called Happiness and Progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, where can people listen to it? Anywhere you can listen to a podcast. Okay. It's everywhere. It's on the Mail Tribune's website, which is really yep. easy for people. Yeah. Um, but also, iPhones have a little podcast button. It's a I, purple button. Well, you can you ask have, Siri to listen. Yeah, Apple podcast app. You can ask, if you have an Alexa app, you can ask, yeah. uh, at least for Offscript, you can ask Alexa to open up Offscript for you. Um, but you have this podcast. You've been doing it for two years, Happiness and Progress. What have you discovered? Mm. I think the biggest thing, and I talk to so many people. I talk to people who are like at the heights of their career. I've talked to people who are at the worst of their lives, mm -hmm. dealing with really hard circumstances. And in that entire, and people in, in between, we're just kind of going. And in, in that whole range, I've learned it comes back to gratitude. For every single one of those people, they say gratitude matters to me. Gratitude being, makes a difference Being for me. grateful for? What there is to be grateful for. Okay. Literally anything. So in the worst case scenarios, you're finding places of gratitude throughout the day. So in some cases, it's been people who've had kids in the hospital room and they've said, we found laughter and we laughed. And that was what we were thankful for that day. And in, um, you know, best case scenarios, it's really easy to find things that you can be thankful for. Mm -hmm. Well, do you feel like too, when you have happiness and you have joy in your life, that obviously oozes out everything else. You're, you're kinder to mm -hmm. people. You're happier with your children and your mm -hmm. family. You're not as grouchy and grumpy. Yeah. I mean, is that what you've seen with all yeah, of this? Yeah, for sure. I think that as you bring that in, in uh, it's the gratitude more than the joy because you can say, oh, I choose joy, I choose joy, I choose joy, mm -hmm. but not exactly be happy. But if you're in a situation where your kids are driving you insane and they're like running away into parking lots and like goofing around on the baseball field and crying because they won't take a bottle. Right which was yesterday, um, <laughs> all those things can happen. But in it, you can be like, like I get to be here and live in my life and I'm breathing and I'm watching with my eyes. And like, I've got this little kid who is hysterical, like dangerous, but hysterical. I mean, there's so much to be thankful for in that moment. Mm -hmm. Like I get to sign my kids up for baseball. Right. You know, the, the, all these little things can help it not seem like the end of the world when the overwhelm hits, when life hits, it just, sure. it's easier to find, uh, find the happiness. Right, right. Um, I interviewed an architect a few weeks ago, and we were talking about Medford Water mm -hmm. and how awesome it is mm -hmm. um, and how people around the country, if they ever visit here, they just say, man, this water is so yeah. amazing. And every single day when after that hot shower, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, man, that's a luxury. Yes. yes water is. is such a luxury. Good water is yeah. such a luxury. I have goosebumps again because I think this <sighs> is important too because we don't, we're not thankful for water. When was the last time you said, I'm thankful for this water? I, I actually, ha before I left the station, I had a coworker who was having a really hard time. And we spent, I stayed like hours late to talk to him about his life. And he was like, I have nothing to be thankful for right now. And then he took his water bottle and he drank out of it. And I was like, 
what are you drinking right now? Mm -hmm. Where did you get that? He's like, no, it's just, it's not even special water. I just went to get the drinking fountain. I was like, you have the ability to go to the mm -hmm. drinking fountain and fill up your water bottle and drink that clean, fresh water. Totally. That is a luxury. It is a luxury. Um, the fact that you and I can get up and walk out of mm -hmm. this room and walk on our two mm -hmm. legs is, in my opinion, yeah. we're lucky because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who don't have that luxury, mm -hmm. I guess. I mean, to all the things. We can breathe. We're breathing without mm -hmm. a, the help of machines. Right. We are, we're looking at each other. Right. We're talking with our voices. I these can are hear not you. Things I can that, see yeah. you. Yeah. Not everybody gets these things. We take them for granted. We really do. Mm -hmm. And I think now I have goosebumps. This is a very <laughs> goosebumpy podcast. <laughs> um, I think if we, you're right, if we really do stop and, and look at the things that are around mm -hmm. us in life, even if we are down on our luck or mm -hmm. things are hard right now, there's a lot to be thankful mm -hmm. for. And I saw that a lot in news, the perspective, mm -hmm. because I would have the one kid who runs away. I remember one day I saw, had my kid running away all over the place, getting into everything, getting everything out. It was terrible. It was horrible. It was, ah, the worst mom ever, worst life ever. Right, right. <laughs> and then I went and I talked to this woman who had this kid who um, hasn't, the doctor said, would never be able to walk, never be able to talk, never be able to go to school. And she said he was being put in a therapy that was going to help him walk. And she said, what I would give to let my kid get in trouble by himself. Mm. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I've got to get perspective on this. That hits you in the feels right there. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. Look around and definitely um, be thankful for the things that mm -hmm. are around you. Um, is your podcast, is it like week weekly? Mm -hmm. Okay. Weekly. Yeah. So I'll do... I'll do weekly. Sometimes I'll do two a week, but mostly it's one a week and usually three interviews a month with one of just kind of a thought or an idea I have that I'll kind of chat about. Awesome. Mm -hmm. What are you, What's the feedback you're getting from people? What are you hearing? Oh my goodness. It's so cool because you know what it's like to be on TV. You go out and people are like, oh, mm -hmm. I love you. I watch you on TV. I watch mm -hmm. you on TV. You get that a lot. Now when I see people, they cry. Now when I see <sighs> people, they're like, you made such a difference to me. Like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm dealing with this. I've had strangers come up and be like, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm like, oh my goodness. I know. You're listening? You for listening I to know. my podcast. I get that. Yeah. This podcast is so much different than being on TV and because they have to like seek you out and choose you on the app and, and listen to you for mm -hmm. the entire, yeah, whatever, they're long. half hour. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it, it's just so, so meaningful that I, I feel like I'm making a difference in individual lives and how they see themselves, mm -hmm. how they're dealing with hard things. And I think that's really special. I think yeah. that's really cool. It is really special. It's amazing. You're making a difference. Mm -hmm. at there the end was of the day. one episode that I did, and and sometimes they're a little they're they're tough episodes or they're hard episodes to talk through, and you don't have to listen to all of them if some of them make you mm -hmm. uncomfortable. But I talked to one woman about suicide. She lost her dad to suicide, and after that, I had three messages of people who were like. I have a problem and I'm going to get a counselor. Oh. And I was like, oh my goodness. That gives me goosebumps Three people. Too. Like, That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Again, you're making a difference. Um, I also talk about practical things like sugar. Mm -hmm. Eating sugar impacts your mood. I mean, mm -hmm. Things that are, you know, not, a, not as heavy and hard. Right, <laughs> you know? right. It doesn't have to be heavy every time, but things like, things that are practical you can bring into your own life easily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sugar's bad. I know. It's so crazy. It's so bad. I know. I'm working right now to reduce to get rid of sugar in my diet and I'm grumpy. I know. I need to find some happiness in yeah. something else. Yeah. Well, you know what I've determined is that 
you just need the one thing that you can like indulge in. And it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. a food, but it can be a moment where mm -hmm. it's only you and you're indulging in it and that's fine. I think that's a really good place to go to that's for a good point. Like, trying to get off of that's something. That's a very good point. So I was gonna ask you just fun, fun TV stuff um, because viewers come up to me a lot and they're yeah. like, you know, hi, I watch you, whatever. And um, they're always like, do you get recognized a lot? So, do you get recognized a lot? Yeah. It's fun, huh? Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. Sometimes. My favorite, my fa well, it depends on if they're mad or not. True. <laughs> my favorite was, uh, or is, when little kids will come up, which doesn't really happen anymore, but right. the little kids will come up and be like, I watch you on the news. Mm -hmm. My mom has you on every morning. Right. That just right. like, I just love that. There was, we did a high school fair and it was all these high schoolers from, you know, uh, Northern California, mm -hmm. all over Oregon on from the coast. And there was a girl who came up to me and she was freaking out. Aww. And she's just like, oh my gosh, you're Trish Glose. And mm -hmm. I was just like, that's adorable. I mean, she was 16. Yeah. And I'm I like, remember Why are you being, watching the news. <laughs> I know, I know. I remember being on the other side of that. Right. And so I think that's why it makes me so excited. For sure. Yeah. I get really excited. And you get to be a role model. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I can look at her and say, you want to do this? This is you what you need this. to do. Yeah. yeah. You got to be smart and show up at school and mm -hmm. show up in life and yeah you can absolutely do this mm -hmm. i don't like to be recognized when i haven't showered and i haven't <laughs> brushed my teeth and i'm buying the econo size toilet paper oh, no. in albertson's <laughs> and they're like trish glows it's like oh man oh people know me as like such a um not fancy person i feel like because i do the mm -hmm. morning show i'd get home wipe all my makeup off put it up in a hair yeah. thing exercise and then go do all my errands Yeah, <laughs> as like a big sweaty mess. So now when I run into people for a second time, especially if I have makeup on, they'll tell me, I remember when I ran into you and you had no makeup on and you were like, ignore the makeup. Yeah, you're like, thanks. I appreciate <laughs> awesome. that. Awesome. I know my husband's always like, we're just going to go to fill the blank. And I go, no, I will run into like eight people I know, three people who watch me on the news. Mm -hmm. No, I got to brush it's my hair. And always, yeah. A little bit of makeup, please. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to wrap things up. Um, a little bit and get to the final three, which I did prep you on. I was a good journalist. Uh, best advice you've ever been given? Mm, I've been thinking a lot about this because I have been given practical advice. And of course, from my parents, you know, like watch the ball. Um, I don't know, brush your teeth. But their best advice to me was not so much words as it was actions. The hard thing to do. They were the ones who were all, they're super motivated. They're super giving and so they never had to say to me be a motivated person mm -hmm. or care about other people because i just watched them do it mm -hmm. and so the advice that would have mattered and i'm sure it came out in words at times from them but it was watching them you know it was watching my dad go through college with four kids and a preemie that and it, <laughs> it was watching my mom bring a woman off the streets into our home because it was snowing outside and giving her a place to sleep i mean that's the stuff that made a difference to me less of the words yeah that backed them up. And that's well, the hard part. They walk the walk they and walk not the walk. just talk the talk. Mm -hmm. That's the thing we all try to do. It's right. very hard to do. They just did it. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, who was the preemie? My little brother. Oh, man. Yeah. It was How? scary. He was born three months early. Oh, my I goodness. Know. I know. That is scary. We didn't even, I, I at the time, I think I was eight, didn't even understand exactly mm -hmm. how scary it was. Mm -hmm. Ronald McDonald House, we did the whole thing. Wow. Mm -hmm. And he's fine now. Yeah, he's fine. He's great. He's about to graduate school and he's got lots of cool programs and awesome projects he's got working on. So. What's his name? Jordan. 
Go Jordan! Yes! That's awesome. <laughs> uh, if you ever left this place, Southern Oregon, what would you miss the most? What would bring you back here? Mm, I would miss the people and the fall. I know I'd miss the fall because I've been without the fall. In Las Vegas, I missed the fall. And here the fall is just, it's incredible. I think, I mean, that would be what was tugging at my heart always. Yeah. What is it specifically about the fall that you love? The colors, like the crisp air, just the smell of fall. Mm -hmm. It's it's incredible. Yeah. I love that I can pull out my boots again. Yeah. yeah. And look cute. Yeah. Scarves. I mean, we did that in Las Vegas, but like no one was buying it. No. We know the, how hot it is. Why are you wearing the boots? Right. Oh, man. <laughs> the heat in Vegas. Good grief. I remember going from my job at Chili's uh-huh. when I, in college, yeah. summer there, running to my internship at the news station uh-huh. and just sweating buckets in the car. What did you intern at? Um, I interned at the ABC affiliate. Oh, yeah. I can't think okay. of the call letters. Is it K- K- KTV? KTVN, yeah, I'm oh, not KTVN. sure. Yeah, KTVN, mm-hmm. yeah. So I worked there for a summer. That's cool. I know. Um, well, that's what we had in common when yeah. I interviewed you yeah. because I was like, oh, I went to high school in Vegas yeah. and interned there. And so anyways, that's another podcast. Um, that was fun. If you ever give it a final meal and a final drink, what would that look like? This is the worst answer to this on all I, of your podcasts. I doubt it. I would get wings, like a whole bunch of wings, like 40 wings. Chicken wings. Chicken wings. And not the, like the flat kind. I think Buffalo Wild Wings actually calls them flats. I okay. get the flat kind with the two bones. Not the little drumettes. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't like those. The flat wings. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of blue cheese and Diet Coke. <laughs> that's not, that's not bad at all. That's awesome. So embarrassing. Um, I just but had it's true. Brie Malarkey on and mm-hmm. she said, she's vegetarian. Yeah. So she says, as long as there's melted cheese and water. Oh, that would be good, though. She's Melted cheese. fine. Mm-hmm. She's fine. So I have to ask with the chicken wings, are they are they fried? They're just regular how you... Yeah, I think they're fried. Like you, buffalo, like spicy. It's just the honey barbecue. Honey barbecue. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of chicken wings yeah, out there. Yeah, there are. And there's a lot of flavors, but I only do honey barbecue. Okay. Would you? Cons- so if there's not honey barbecue, I look for barbecue. Okay. Would you consider yourself a connoisseur of chicken wings? Yes. Okay. Yes. When we moved here, there was a problem. <laughs> It's a little bit better now. Actually, I don't want to say that. It's better now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle demands better chicken wings in Southern All Oregon. Right. When I was here, I was like, uh, we were here for a couple of years. We decided to stay longer. And I'm like, honey, I really think we need to think about opening a wing place. Hey, maybe that's your next project. <laughs> that's where's, my true calling. Where's the best place you've ever had chicken wings? My favorite place is Wingstop. And it's, I, I don't know where it all is. It's in Reno. It's in Las Vegas. Okay. It's good. Well, maybe Wingstop can come it's up got to good Medford. Fries, a lot of a lot of blue cheese. Let's start a petition. Is there an entrepreneur listening? <laughs> Now's <laughs> the time. Open up Wingstop. You'll have you'll have your very favorite customer, Danielle Craig. <laughs> Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you for having me. And listen to her podcast. It's called Happiness and Progress, and you can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. We're also on Google Play, and you can ask your Alexa app to open up Offscript. You can check out the video portion of this podcast at ktvl.com. Just click on Features and then Offscript once again. Danielle Craig, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me.